when they're walking in, and he's talking about, you know, aren't Jedi supposed to, you know, think about the future? And Kawhi goes, well, like, not at the cost of the moment. Right. And I'm like, oh, wow, we're getting to see, like, how a master trains, you know, his Padawan. And they're like, oh, the scene is over. <laughs> <laughs> Hello fellow geeks, this is Jay Shear, host of the Story Geeks podcast and co-founder of the Reclamation Society. We love exploring our favorite sci-fi, fantasy, and comic book stories and diving into them to determine what they're telling us is true about the world around us. I am excited today, guys. Today we are diving into my favorite geek universe, Star Wars. I am joined by Michael and Lisa Young and my co-founder Nathan Sheck. And we are reviewing and discussing George Lucas's film, Episode One: The Phantom Menace. We will be discussing the story, the characters, and the major and minor themes weaved throughout the film. If you haven't seen Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, we are going to start the podcast with a spoiler-free review. I think most of you have seen it, um, but just in case you haven't. And then we will give a spoiler warning before we dive into the deeper questions. We have a lot to say about The Phantom Menace, so this podcast will be divided into two episodes. This is just part one. Make sure you subscribe so you can hear part two as well. Let's dive into The Phantom Menace. So joining us today on the Story Geeks podcast, we have some special guests. Super happy to have them. We have Mike and his wife, Lisa. And Mike is from the Jedi Alliance podcast, and he has a bunch of AKAs, and I'm going to throw it to him to kind of plug some of his stuff. <laughs> hey guys, late ill kid, at one youngster, holding it down, bringing you that street geek and nerd soul. What is going on? <laughs> See, that's awesome. I, I don't have anything cool like that. <laughs> I need something cool like that. It, wow. it, it took a while, but I, I've got it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I usually just say Jay Shear, host of the Story Beat Geeks podcast, co-founder of the Reclamation Society, and it's like, oh, there you go. not that fun. <laughs> um, also joining us is my co-founder of the Reclamation Society, Nathan Sheck. Nathan's joining us live from uh, Oregon, which is kind of fun. Woo. Um, as you guys know, we always start with a spoiler-free review of the film, and we do that with three different ratings. So these are all scale of one to ten ratings, ten being the best. Um, so we're going to start with a quality rating, and this is all about The Phantom Menace. So I'll start with you, Michael. What is your quality rating for The Phantom Menace on a scale of 1 to 10? Scale of 1 to 10 for the quality of Phantom Menace. Overall quality, I'd probably say it's... it's, it's I put it at an 8. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff... There's stuff that bring it down, yeah. but then you have like the score and the sound design and the effects that help push it back up. So I'd say it's like at a high seven, low eight, something like that. Okay. I I, I think it's kind of if you just look at it, it's it's quality. Yeah. Like because I think that's something that George Lucas has always done. Him and um, James Cameron especially have always tried to push the tech side forward in film. So I think that's something that they truly did extremely well. That's absolutely true, yeah. He yeah. always innovates. Always innovates. Yeah. Um, what about you, Lisa? What would you say? I was going to say a seven. I just like the storyline. Okay, yeah, cool. I thought the storyline was great. Yeah, he's, he's starting his like pseudo-hero's journey. That, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is an interesting setup, too, because this is the first podcast of our Star Wars series, which is awesome. And we're going to pretend in some ways that we are only going to experience this movie absent the other movies, which is sort of an interesting take on it, right? Yeah. Like We're just going to think about it, and we're not going to like jump into all the other movies. 
Um, but uh, it is the start of what could be a really interesting hero's journey. And we don't know because we, if we just pretend we haven't seen the other films, yeah. um, it's kind of an interesting setup. So that's, Nathan, that's what about... It's hard though, but yeah. It is hard. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. We can jump around. It's not a big deal. But just, just, to, just to play around with that. Um, what about you, Nathan? What is your, what is your rating? Yeah, that one was hard. I ended up with a six, um, basically for the same reasons Mike said, where there's a lot of it that is is quality, and there are some parts that kind of bring it down. And I feel like for a lot of people, they're pretty hard to get past. Um, mm. And maybe maybe that's what brings it down a little more. Um, whereas, yeah, the the tech is good. You know, even. There, so much of it is CG, and it's it's pretty old by this point, but it actually doesn't look that bad. Um, the especially there's the you know the special edition essentially I guess we can call it, and I'm where they basically replaced weird puppet Yoda with a new CG Yoda, which <laughs> oh, actually looks a lot better. But that obviously wasn't in the original release. But yeah, there there's some things that make it harder as a whole to see the quality just because they get in the way, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we have the Nemoidians mouth movement, which basically never matches up with what they're saying. Um, <laughs> and obviously everyone complains about the dialogue. I, I feel like George wanted everyone to kind of be like, okay, you got to say this, you know, in a stately manner. And, but, but that's basically all the characters. So everything is, what would you say? The flow is a little off. Almost. Yeah. Everyone's, yeah very pretentious you know which yeah, i think they were going for on purpose because you have the jedi who talk like that you have the royalty that talks like that you have the senators who talk like that um so you basically have like anakin and jar jar who are maybe the only ones that don't um and then everyone hates jar jar <laughs> so there's very little comic relief in this film except for jar jar which is not usually true of the other films and so it mm. feels like that's kind of also the problem where it's all crammed into him, which kind of becomes too much for people to handle. But yeah, so there's good and bad. And there's just kind of a thin veneer of like difficult things to get through over the whole thing kind of, which I think is what brings it down a little bit. Yeah. I'll, to jump off that, I, because there are a lot of, like, I agree. There are a lot of like issues where it's like, oh, but <laughs> I turned on Phantom Menace and the first thing I heard was that ship coming in and I was like, mm. the sound design on this is just incredible. Yeah. And I was just like, and then like, uh, like you start like listening to the score and you're like, man, <laughs> man, the score is, and you're just like, so then you start to kind of sort of forgive because you're like, it's kind of like, you know, you know, time kind of heals all wounds. So now <laughs> you can kind of watch it and you're like, eh, you know. The sound is especially like in the race. Like the sound design oh, is just like incredible. Amazing. And then you start listening to the score. And then like the small interaction between like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, you're just like, okay. Yeah. 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 No, it's true. It's totally true. So I'm gonna be the biggest bummer because my rating is the lowest. So uh, mine is only a four out of ten from a quality perspective. Now, no, no, no. Let me just say this. Um, there are some amazing things. The sound yeah. design being one of them. The pod race, I love. I think it's a super well done scene. I think it's really interesting. We've never seen that in Star Wars before. Fantastic. Um, Darth Maul, yes. still one of my favorite Sith. Yes. Like he's amazing. His character design is awesome. Never seen anything like that uh, in the Star Wars universe. 
here, here's where, here's where for me it starts to get a little rough. Like the almost every single joke falls flat for me personally, um, and I, I still don't like Jar Jar Binks. I know a lot of people have gotten over that. But yeah, I, I'm kind of over. over. See, you're over it. Yeah. See, like that's good. Maybe one day. <laughs> like I kind of, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit, but I'm just like, hey, it is, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's okay. So here's where, I, where here's where I go with this. So I had the the good pod race Darth Maul. The bad, the jokes fall flat and Jar Jar. And the ugly, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The ugly part of it for me is that, and I blame George Lucas 100, percent and I'm the biggest George Lucas fan. So I love Indiana Jones. So I just want to just put this out there for all the Star Wars fans. It's not me just like trying to come after George Lucas, but. The writing and directing on this one is pretty rough compared to what we've seen from him Very. before. Um, so that was the only reason. Like he turns people who are amazing actors into people that you're like, Can, is this this person's first film? Like now, see, and that and that. If I look at it that way, yeah, I could drop my rating to yours too. Yeah, because like overall, you're like, can I sit down and be entertained? Yes, I can. Yes, but then when you start thinking, like you said, like <laughs> yeah. yo, these are these are like top notch actors. Yeah. This is directed <laughs> right. horribly. Like, if you start to dwell on that, yeah, yeah, it can definitely drop to like a four. Yeah, but see, I'm a Star Wars fan, so I still, I still love this movie. It's just from yeah, a quality perspective. But you're right about the the effects and the design. Yeah, are can, fantastic. Like, because I know you can like, especially because it's weird. Kids that are younger, yeah, they like love this movie. I know, I know. Because you can you can sit and be entertained by this, but when you start to look at like the stuff that makes film strong yeah then that's where exactly because like even in my eight like i said i'm leading strong with like that score doing oh, fates yeah. oh you know darth maul like yes you know. best so, lightsaber battle i think on film yeah yeah it's mm, yes yeah, it's, it's gotta be up there because it's so well choreographed it's super cool there's maybe vader and luke and Return just because of the emotion, right? But, oh, yeah, I forgot because we're not technically <laughs> if we've never. No, no, no. We can jump around here. It's fine. So it means it has to be the best one on film, right? We're like we've never seen a because it's the only one we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. We don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that's the quality rating. How about the story depth rating? And this is about how how deep does the story go, and what what kind of things does it address? This is where it gets bad. Because I think you have to you have to look to find the depth. He doesn't. When I say he, I mean George Lucas. Yeah. The the prequels as a whole, or this movie, it's. I think it's a bunch of cool moments wrapped in a bad movie. Mm. Um, and that's how I always see the prequels. They're like cool moments wrapped in bad movies. Yeah. So it's like the story depth on the surface. It's kind of, on the surface. I have to give it like a three or a four mm. because it's just not that deep. It's just like very, very basic. But when you start to like get into it, you can raise it to like a seven when you're like, oh, okay, you have this kid. He's coming from slavery. He wins. He has, he's forced to win his own slavery, mm -hmm. but he has to leave his mom behind. You have, you have what could have been a great political intrigue. We'll talk after. Yeah. <laughs> you have what could have been a great political intrigue, but ends up being kind of like this slimy politician yeah. that I'm definitely into because you could play that similar to like Designated Survivor or, you know, um, 24, stuff like that. Yeah. But 
it just falls flat. You have this royalty thing that just doesn't really, on the surface, it's just not, you have to, for yourself, you have to make it deep. Yes. And it's not initially, I guess, as gripping as it could be. Totally. And just uh, on a note, because you mentioned it, um, is it Ian McDermott? Yeah. Yeah. He is the one actor who stands out, like despite yeah. George Lucas's. One of the best. Directing. One of the best parts. Yeah. Is how manipulative Palpatine is the whole three. Exactly. Films. Exactly. Yeah. Or this film. Yeah. <laughs> this one film. This one film. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Lisa? What do you I, think? I'm, well, I'm thinking the depth isn't there because I think the whole purpose was to lay out this background, and mm-hmm. I think maybe that. Um, was focused on maybe too much and the depth was sacrificed. Like, oh, we need to make sure these this background information oh, gets out. And yeah. it's like, okay, but what about the depth? What about the underneath? And it got into, okay, we need to put this fact out there and this fact. And then there's a chain of events, but then the depth was left out of it. That's a really good way of putting it. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, um, mine is a six. Um, so it's actually a little, little higher now. Mm. Um, but again, basically for pretty much the same reasons he's he obviously is covering a bunch of topics um you know they talking about symbiotic relationships and that comes up in multiple contexts um Mm -hmm. whether it's force sensitive people or just the gungans and the naboo Mm -hmm. um you have democracy versus dictatorships you they talk about meditation balance fear leading to evil all of those things so it's definitely trying to hit a lot of that depth it just doesn't you know go very deep and some of them are just very quick lines and you'd have to really kind of dig into it to, yeah, to get like the depth it. out of it so uh nathan would you say that like it's maybe like a streamlining issue like it wasn't streamlined enough i don't know or or was it streamlined too much you know like we were talking about that basically it's we need to get this fact and then this fact and then this fact so we don't have time to Actually, like, flesh it out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I also think he didn't want to get very deep. He just wanted to bring them up. Um, I yeah. Think, I think they may have taken into uh, into consideration too much that we have these other films mm. to associate. If this film stood alone, we wouldn't have that emotional investment. Right. And I think they kind of took advantage of, oh, they have the other films, but they didn't go you know, far enough in because of that. I think they were dependent upon yeah. the other film. Yeah. And could this, you know, when, when you're directing and you're not directing, you know, when you get away from something for a long time, it takes a while to get back into it, yes. which is why, even though a lot of people might say, maybe if there's a third film, <laughs> that, that is the best one, because it takes a while to get back into, oh, okay, this is how I make a movie. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're kind of, in a way, taking someone who the last directorial effort was 84 yeah. I'm trying to remember when did he direct Return came out did, did he, he direct did Return he, well did he direct no, um, he didn't oh, direct Last Empire yeah no he didn't direct Empire oh no he didn't do Last Crusade because that was Steven Spielberg yeah, yeah you're right yeah so, so it goes his, way back it, it might have been like it might have been Star Wars Episode 4 that was his last yeah actual like directing directing and then of course he was there and kind of like giving notes and like probably looking at dailies but not actually sitting in the chair so you're taking someone who hasn't really directed and just like kind of thrusting them back into this and i always wonder 
what this film or all three films would have looked like if it was Steven Spielberg directing, but with George Lucas kind of doing kind of like the Russo brothers for Civil War. You know, you have like George Lucas like, okay, I'm holding down the tech. I'm I'm holding down all of the the effects and stuff. And I'm still giving notes, but Steven Spielberg is working with the actors. Yes. You know, I always wonder what that would have ended up like. That would have been, I think that would have been super cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my depth rating, uh, I agree with you guys across the board. So my was, mine was a five out of 10. Um, it tries to get deep, but it doesn't really get deep. And I think the political aspects are the film's deepest aspects. Yeah. Um, but there's spiritual aspects that they sort of like ping out there, but there's not a lot of emotional depth to the spiritual, like, Platitudes, like here, here's like a spiritual saying, and you're like, uh, but there's no emotional depth behind that. We know that in the later films there yeah. is, right? So, so it just seems kind of emotionless. You're like, does that even matter? Like, it's weird. And then um, I would say that uh, the only actor that I can recall at this point in time that shows emotion, and I can't say why because I don't want to spoil it. I mean, most of you guys have seen the Phantom Menace, but is Ewan McGregor. Yes. And he's responding to something that happens. But he's really the only one that shows a lot of emotion. Because even, even Amidala really doesn't show she's a very, lot of emotion. She's very kind of like stone-faced the whole exactly. way through. She's very, she's very serious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's very serious the whole way through. Yep. Um, yep. And one, one part that I think that's good that we didn't flesh out is at the very beginning when they're walking in and he's talking about, you know, aren't Jedi supposed to, you know, think about the future? And Qui-Gon's well, like, not at the cost of the moment. And I'm like, oh, wow, we're getting to see, like, how a master trains, you know, his Padawan. And they're like, oh, the scene is over. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Like, oh, they blew up. (laughs) Oh, they blew up the ship. And now we're moving on. We're moving on. That's hilarious. Star Wars fans, we are giving away two very special Star Wars prizes, and we're only giving them away to Reclamation Society email subscribers. If you subscribe to the Reclamation Society's email updates, you are entered to win the art of Rogue One, but with special thanks to Daryl Smith, one of the hosts of the Story Geek Podcast, he donated a second prize, a never-before-watched copy of The Phantom Menace on VHS. That means we have two super cool collector's items, and all you have to do is subscribe to our email updates to be entered to win one of them. Which you should do anyways, by the way. Visit www.reclamationsociety.org for more information. The link is in the show notes. Make sure you go and subscribe to our email updates now so you're entered to win. Um, so before I ask this last question, the last review question, um, just really quick, where does this rank in your Star Wars films? Like, where would you put this one? <laughs> <laughs> I would probably put it at the, well, um, yeah, probably either at the bottom or just above Attack of the Clones. Okay. At- Attack of the Clones has this detective story with Obi-Wan that I love, yeah. but we don't focus on it because <laughs> we're rolling around the hills and the meadows. But <laughs> but it's gotta be low. Yeah. Oh man. It's 
it's necessary because you yeah. kind of like need to know it, but it's slow for yeah, me. Yeah, it's got to be low because I know my top is my top is probably still you know episode six just because of the emotion stuff in there. Mm. But it's probably like six Rogue One, no six five Rogue One, mm. then maybe seven four. I don't know, but. If you didn't have four, you wouldn't have none of this. It's weird. I know. It gets really <laughs> difficult. What about you, Lisa? Where would you put this no one? no idea. <laughs> um, Nathan, what about you? Yeah, I'm with Mike. Um, probably last or second to last. Yeah. Although I, I, I do need to watch Clones again to actually get that figured out. Well, here's the thing it's with been me. A while. On, on this, in regards to this film specifically, I agree with you guys 100%. Like, it's either last or second to last. Yeah. The thing is, I think that it attains higher heights than Clone Wars does. Yeah. Or, sorry, the Attack of the Clones. But I think that the lows are much lower. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, I think that this would be last. But I do think that the pod race. Um, by the way, the sound design on the pod race with the Doppler effect and the different sounds. Of the, I mean, yeah. oh, killer. Anyways, so let's go on to the last question um, in this review in this review section. Um, what is your likelihood to refer this film to someone else on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm a completist, so it has to be 10. They have to see it. There's some stuff that you're gonna have to push through, but you you kind of gotta see it. You kind of gotta do it. Yeah, yeah. you you gotta see this because there is, like I said, there's cool moments wrapped in bad movies. Like you know, <laughs> you have like this cool moment where you see the Jedi Council, where it's like, wow, yeah, there was a Jedi Council because right. you get to see all this stuff that you know Obi Wan talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a shame that it wasn't really fleshed out until the animated series, but. You know, you get to see like the council deciding and working together. You get to see the Jedi at kind of like their prime. Um, you know, the the temple was beautiful and all, like these these wonderful, magnificent things. <laughs> and then you get like not that great acting yeah. and the stuff you got to push through because if Jar Jar was just rewritten, even if his character looked the same, like if he didn't speak, if the Gungans didn't speak the way they did, yeah. And if Jar Jar was still funny, but just not poop joke funny. Right. Like, this could have been so, man, so much different. Totally agree. <laughs> what about you, Lisa? I think that question depends on two things. Yeah. If you're uh, asking in terms of, or recommending in terms of, uh, to a Star Wars fan. Yeah. Then you gotta see it. I mean, <laughs> right. you, you know, like I said, it's part of the package. You need, you know, yeah. if they're going to give you this perspective, you need to have it. Yeah. But if you're not so much a Star Wars fan and saying, am I going to recommend it as a film, period? Yep. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say, I would give it a six. Okay. Um, not bad. You know, but if you're a Star Wars fan, a 10, you have, yeah. you know, you they're giving it. it to you. You got to take it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Nathan, what about you? Mine's an eight. Um, oh, Okay. Kind of for the same reasons. I mean, obviously, if you're into Star Wars at all, you do kind of need to see it. Although, a lot of those people are going to be the ones that take the most exception with it. But sure. it feels like as as just kind of a standalone space opera movie, you know, it is it is still good and entertaining. 
Um, so I think it, it might also just depend how picky your audience is, right? Like, would they be mm -hmm. able to get past the acting um, and enjoy it for what it is? Um, right. I guess that, that kind of feels like the main question. Yeah. I, I am almost right where you are because I am a seven and a half out of ten, and, and I feel the same way that you guys do. Like if you're if you're a Star Wars fan, like you yeah, you're gonna yeah, watch it. Yeah. I mean, um, so here, okay, last question in the review section before I give the spoiler warning. We jump into these deep questions, which we're gonna spend a ton of time on. So I'm trying to get through them as quickly <laughs> as possible. But um, now, if someone's gonna start the series, where do you suggest that they start? If they've never seen any of the they've films, never seen any of the films. I just like I just like my wife, I had her watch the films before we saw episode seven, one through six. I know that's not and she's not really for animated series, but I would have done one, two, the series, yeah, number three, and then four through six. Um, because that's how the guy that made this, you know, says that it should be seen. And I do have a certain respect for that. Now I do I do also see why people would do the shotgun order. Yeah. Um, but if you've never seen it before, I think it's it's one through six, man. They're numbered. Yeah. It's just, yeah, one through six. Okay. So now since you saw them one through six, how was that experience? It was awesome because it made sense. Ah. Because, you know, the way it actually came out, it was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I have no idea. You're going back and forth in time. Mm. So I think you need to watch it, uh, in the order of time, you yeah, know, how yeah, things yeah. happen in time, especially if you're not a fan in yeah. order for you to, you know, understand. And he, of course, wanted me to kind of join this world right. with him. And I wanted to because I felt like he was in this other world. <laughs> so it's like, you know, in order to bring someone in I, and have them really say, oh, I, I get this and invest, yeah. be able to invest. You're not going to be invested if you don't really understand Interesting. what's going on. And so that was, that was actually, I was excited. You know, after that, because I was like, okay, now I understand and I can be excited about what happens next. <laughs> That's awesome. And I do think that if you do, because I don't really, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, I don't even know how I would recommend it to people. But if you do start in this order, like based on our quality ratings, you do start and get better from here. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, maybe maybe Attack of the Clones, maybe not so much, but like you do start to ramp up to a lot better movies. And, and I think like my favorite is personally um, Empire Strikes Back. And by the time you get there, it's like, no, this is like cinematic oh, masterpiece, I completely, yeah. right? I completely like, forgot about I completely forgot about Rogue One. So you gotta yeah. go you have to go like one, two, man, there's so much to watch. I know. <laughs> All right, so you, you would do because you could do four or five and then be like, okay, now here's the story of his father because he just drops that truth oh, bomb on yeah, your father. Right? So you could do four, five, and then one, two, three. Yes. And then you could do six. I never or, thought of guess, that. Yeah, or you could do Rogue One, four, five, one, two, three, and then seven, six and seven. Yeah. Um, but it's it's crazy to to think about that because it does get better and better. Yeah, you know, even even the effects because there's sometimes when I turn on episode three just to watch that opening uh, space battle. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's the effects are still. You're like, man, this is movie is actually kind of old, and <laughs> these effects are still kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. 
Alright, so now I'm going to give a spoiler warning because we're going to dive really deep into this film. So for those of you who haven't seen it, first of all, I'm surprised you stuck around, stuck around this long to listen to us talk about it. <laughs> but if you, if you haven't seen it, this is your spoiler warning. We're going to really spoil this movie now because we're going to dive into some really deep questions. Um, the first question, and um, I'm going to direct this question at you first, Michael. Um, the Jedi are introduced in this film as the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. Uh, by the end of this film, so there's, this is, there's a couple questions in here. By the end of this film, do you think that that title is accurate and justified? Uh, why or why not? And then, in your own experience outside this film, could that title apply to any group of people that exists in our own world? Okay. Uh, I think the Jedi were guardians of peace and justice. Mm. I think they got, well, of course we know why, but they got roped into something that was larger than they should have been involved in. Mm. And they even kind of mentioned it themselves. They're like, yo, we're kind of like, we don't do, we don't go to war. Like, this mm. is way outside of our purview. Like, we, we're kind of like, we handle smaller skirmishes, maybe civil wars on one planet, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like, but we're talking about like a galactic civil war going on now this is way outside of our power and you know outside of our control and then when you have the dark side influencing as well they were just they were in over their heads mm. um and i think that yes they are guardians of peace and justice because they do work to be fair in all of the situations regardless of like what planet they're on or what skirmish they're dealing with but i think in this war gets muddy it, it gets you know grays and stuff and especially when you have the light side the dark side they try to stay very very strict on what is good and what is bad when you're thrust into a situation that's filled with shades of gray like war is because it's like he did this well he did this well yes i did this because this happened in inside of context once you get into context the jedi would just way in way over their heads because the jedi have always they've always existed and run on this situation of being kind of like very dogmatic mm. and that's very good in certain situations and in the situation of war you can't be dogmatic really because there's no you can be dogmatic in a perfect world but it's it's not really easy to do it when there's a war going on mm. and there's a there's a republic that you really don't have power over mm. and they don't really have power over you either you're kind of like an independent you know authority sort of and in the real world I guess it would be similar without getting extremely political <laughs> um it would sort of be I guess maybe like the UN that would be mm. kind of the closest but the UN isn't really a fighting force right. but the UN is really just the US but the, if you say that then of course Britain and France and everybody's going to get mad but when you look in most cases the UN is really the US and but <laughs> the US isn't the most dogmatic country, I guess that's <laughs> But you know, when you, it's hard to be like, okay, we're just coming here and we're just bringing food or we're just bringing supplies. 
Because they're not going to let you in because they got guns. Right. So that means someone with guns has to get you in. <laughs> well, those people with guns, they have to do. They have to use guns for what guns were made to be used for. So it's it's hard to be only peace and justice without, you know, without cracking some eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every egg that you crack won't be just or it won't be justified depending on the perception of the person on the other end. Yeah. Um, because someone might be like, oh, yeah, he was bad, but he was still my brother. Yep. Or he was still my dad, you know, whatever. So yep. I think the Jedi, I think the Jedi had a handle on it until it became war. Mm. And then it was a problem. Mm. But of course, we know behind the scenes, right. somebody wanted that to happen <laughs> exactly. because then he wanted to blame the Jedi for everything that, you know. Right. So that's where I sit with that one. Okay. That's I, I think it's a great take. Any any comments on that, Lisa? Um, I was going to say it's kind of hard to, to really determine or really to say if that title is justified or not because who do you have to compare it to? Ooh, okay. You know, if they're mm -hmm. the only ones that are really trying to be the guardians, they're doing you know, what they know how to do. Yeah. And then when the politics becomes so strong in it, you know, they're reacting the best way they can. So, you know, you can't say it is or isn't justified. Who who else is, is trying to do this? So right. it's kind of, they're who you have. Mm. Mm -hmm. And okay. I think it's interesting um, in terms of trying to compare it to, uh, to our real world. It's very interesting because they seem like, um, you know, the Jedi do have this very... Uh, black and white perspective and they have these standards yeah. and then when politics becomes so um, intrusive it gets shaky yeah. and I think that is a great comparison to what's going on now mm. you know I don't think there's any particular group that we could compare them to you know in in our world right. but you would could always depend on people to stand up for mm. what they believe is right and to kind of come forward and now that that's kind of been looked upon as no, don't say anything. You can't say anything. You know the the standard <laughs> is so low now. Right. It, it's. I think it's an interesting comparison. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of parallel. Absolutely. Yeah. So Nathan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess the only other thing I could point out is, at the beginning, we do basically see that they are used for this kind of thing a lot and, and people mm -hmm. kind of do know what to expect of them. Uh, where basically the Jedi show up and the Trade Federation wasn't expecting that. And as soon as they realize they are Jedi, they're like, okay, let's just give up. <laughs> you know, they, they've sent in the cavalry basically and, you know, we can't, it's, it's better just to, you know, do what, what they want, um, which obviously requires Sidious to kind of talk them out of it. But so obviously they were they were effective and they they apparently had been doing this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, as soon as it gets bigger than that, then that's where it starts to go downhill. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't think I can add much more on this topic except for a, a couple just interesting points. Um, it feels to me like, and I'm wondering if we're going to get into this in which we haven't, we're going to pretend we haven't seen these, but I wonder if we're going to get into this in episode eight. But the Jedi have gotten to a place at this point where they're so disconnected from people and how people are living that I don't think this title can be justified anymore. Because it's like, how can you actually have peace and justice if you don't know how the individuals of this world are living and how their lives are being impacted? Um, 
And so they sort of have this macro level view and some of the other questions we'll get into this. It's like this macro level view where it's like, yeah, but you're so high above where everybody else is that you've lost emotional touch with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, as I think about a group that I could apply the title to, like literally could not come up with one in the real world. Like, is there anybody who's truly a guardian of peace and justice in this world? And there's too many examples of um, when, when uh, the entities that would make claim to be are not. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't even know where to put that. Like, it doesn't, I don't see that. So <clears throat> to jump on to another series when they're talking in Civil War, mm. when, they, when they're coming to Captain America, he's like, yeah, th- that would be great. But what about when something's going on in some country that, you know, the G8 doesn't recognize uh, or, you know, or yeah. the G20 doesn't recognize? Yep. Do we not go? You know, mm. do we do we just sit and watch this stuff happen? Exactly. Or do we, you know, it's it, it's weird. But yeah. you're right. There isn't. That's why I was like, the only thing I could think that would be the closest <laughs> would be like maybe the UN, right. but the UN right. isn't for everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the question is, the Guardians yeah. of Peace and Justice for who? Yeah. Right. So it's it's very. It would be cool to have that. Yeah. But then. It, it's weird because to be that, do you have to be disconnected so that you're not affected by this stuff and you can like kind of look at it as just data, as zeros and ones and be like, no, this isn't fair because <laughs> we said this isn't fair because this, this, and this, this is the judgment, you get this, you get this, leave each other alone. Or should they be with the people all the time? Like should there, instead of only being on Coruscant, right. should they also be on you know, a base on this planet, based on this planet, right. so that you know the people there, you know the, I guess, like the the lifestyle there and how it happens, instead of kind of like showing up, you know, kind of like in a Western, you like show up, deal out justice and leave. Yeah. You know, right. um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. That one's weird. It's weird, right? Yeah. Oh. So that's just the first question. <laughs> We've got lots more. Um, so Nathan, I will have you respond to this question first. Um, and so we're going to dive into, and I, and I hope that the order is right, but we're going to dive into the midi chlorians. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, we're going to pretend that we don't have the context of the other films to kind of fill in how we yeah. feel about midi chlorians, but. Nathan, what about the midichlorians do you like, and what about the midichlorians do you not like? Well, um, I mean, in general, I think they're fine. They obviously wanted, or I should say Lucas wanted a way to essentially be able to measure for sensitivity. Um, And to do that, you obviously need it to be a little more scientific than than we might have known about from theoretical other films. <laughs> um, but what's actually really funny about this that I've never quite understood is how angry it makes people in that it's like, oh, you know, I thought anyone could be a Jedi or if you just are connected to the Force, you could, you know, and you just train and I could be a Jedi or whatever. Um, but that doesn't really change anything. Because basically, again, with these theoreti- theoretical other films, we, we already know that it is biological in some way and does run in families. So we already know there's, there's some sort of genetic component. Um, 
And the, the other part that Qui-Gon says when he's talking about midichlorians connecting you to the Force, the other thing he says is they're necessary for life itself. So that, that already means that everyone has midichlorians. It's just a question of how many um, and how mm. sensitive you are. So again, really, it, since no one doesn't have midichlorians, it actually doesn't really change anything about how anyone thought force sensitivity worked. Um, so I just don't know if that means people don't like having more specific knowledge of how it works, even though we still don't know. All we know is that there's these other organisms, but we don't know how they connect to the force or mm. how we connect to them. So, but yeah, it seems fine. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Lisa? What do you think about I just think it's a weird concept. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know any other way to put it. I don't know. It's just a, a strange concept to me. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit of a strange concept. <laughs> All right. What do you think, Michael? Um, when I was in the movie theater and they first, you know, took out the the little like medical thing yeah. and was talking about medicalians, I was just like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't because I assumed, you know, since we have science, even in this galaxy, sooner or later someone would have to say, okay, well, what makes a Jedi a Jedi? Yeah. Why? Or of course, because you know, if if we're gonna tie our worlds together, somebody probably tried to make a Jedi before. I'm pretty sure. But can we weaponize this? No matter what it is, can we hurt someone <laughs> So I'm sure there were some scientists and they were like, well, what makes a Jedi a Jedi? What's the difference between them? You know, and then they probably found this thing and just named it Metachlorians. And they're like, oh, cool. This, you know, this is the same stuff that's in trees and so okay, we all have it. So okay, so what's different about y'all? And that's the intangible that it's like, okay, well, something there's something about you or your lineage that's able to connect with it, to feel it strongly or, you know, to be part of it. But I didn't really, I don't know, when I, when I first heard it, I didn't, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I, I wasn't, and I know people are mad about it, but it just didn't hit me, I guess, as hard. Because you'd have to guess that a time like the Republic time before, not the old Republic, but just the, I guess, normal Republic time, <laughs> um, you know, things were good. Right. And, you know, so science probably was well-funded and there was research and all that. And then, of course, the Jedi themselves also had their own scientists. Right. So they probably already knew everything about, you know, how they become who they are, how they train, how they connect and stuff like that. But, you know, of course, when in these theoretical other films that didn't exist anymore. Right. So all Obi-Wan could say is, you know, well, it's it's just something that we're all connected to. Right. You know, it's something that flows through us. You know, that's all he could say. Right. You know, but, you know, when you have, you know, the tools and the whatever, yeah, somebody probably named it. And there was like, you know, they have the library. So there's probably like encyclopedias and or whatever they call it there <laughs> full of like the knowledge of like oh okay well this is what makes us different and you know this is why and all of that so yeah. I think it's fine I've yeah. never really had a big you know deal with it but I, I think because there is an element of spirituality and an element of peace you know that you have to have I think it's a, to me that's why I think it's a weird concept to say oh because you have this inside of you oh, okay. oh that's it but there's to me, it's, you know, it's kind of comparing to someone who becomes a, a minister or a priest. Yes, you can go through the training. Anyone can go through the training. But there's something about you 
you know, that's the reason why you were chosen in the first place. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, so I, I, I tend to be on, on, agree with both sides. I think, I don't remember whether I was upset or not. I'm not upset anymore. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm fine with it now. But I do think it's just most, like, like what Nathan said, it's mostly just a gimmick to show how powerful Anakin is. Yeah, I think if you really want to break it down, the what upset people was that I felt like people were saying, why are you bringing science on top of this concept that has been a spiritual concept? Like, why bring science into it at all? I think that for the most part, if you're seeing what how they're addressing it, they're not really taking away from any of the spirituality. They're just adding science to it. Like, it's not, it's not like it's opposed to it. Um, the one thing I could see people getting upset about, even still, is that it does set... I mean, but this was already true before because some people were Force-sensitive and some people weren't Force-sensitive. Mm -hmm. And there is, there is some exclusivity there. I think that that's something that people could get upset about. Like, I mean, for the most part, I'm not like a world religions expert, but I'm thinking like, are there any world religions that are like, like no, like you can't be a part of our religion? I guess there are probably some that, that there are, right? But there, but that is a little bit odd to be like, well, the force likes you, but it doesn't like them, <laughs> right? Like, um, I think that that's a little strange, but that's that's sort of the way that they set it up, and I don't I don't get upset about it, but I can see yeah. other people getting upset about that. And it's weird because I don't see it that way. I see it as the force. You have the forces in all of us, right. like the trees and the dogs or whatever. Right. But for whatever reason, you're unable. Maybe you're blocking yourself. Mm. Maybe it's your, you know, insecurities. Maybe it's self doubt. Whatever it is, you're not able to tap into it. Um, and maybe that's why you have to find them when they're young too, uh, because when you're younger, yeah. you, you know, you're carefree. You don't care. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're an adult, you're like, man, I have deadlines I have this, <laughs> I have that. and yeah. you don't have time to really like, I guess, you know, like stretch out and feel what's around you and right. like meditate and, you know, get, become one with who you are and like, right. understand. you know, it's easier to do that when you're like, Oh, well, we'll take your three-year-old or four-year-old <laughs> toddler because they don't know anything but, like, wonder. Yeah. You know, and it's like, now you can sit that four-year-old down and be like, okay, so close your eyes. Yeah. What do you feel? And then they're like, oh, cool. You know, I'm I'm attached to this thing. Right. And it's fun. Right. And hopefully they don't turn back. That makes sense <laughs> because when you're young, everything is possible. You know, it's, yeah, it's like a right. four-year-old who has made up their own world in the living room with a bath towel on their back. Exactly. They are a superhero, and you cannot tell them otherwise right. because everything is possible at, right. that, at that point. Yeah, and maybe that's why they kept going back with the whole, he's too old, he's too old. Right. Even though I was like, yo, he's kind of... But then you see the younglings, <laughs> right. then you're like, oh, okay, well, he is probably about three years older than they are yeah. because... Jake Lloyd, I'm guessing. I can't remember if they actually said his age, but I'm guessing he was like eight. I'm He's guessing. somewhere between eight and ten, I think. Yeah, I think he was like eight or nine, maybe. Yeah. And then when you see the younglings, you could tell they're like probably like five. Right. So, so he's probably like three or four years removed. And I guess it's like kind of like you know Lisa said with anything is possible. When you're an adult, you've been told no. You've been you know you've been hurt. Your heart's been broken. Blah blah blah. When you're when you're four. Your heart hasn't been broken. I mean, you don't you don't want to take naps, but I mean, besides that, besides that, everything's great. It's like you know, I love everything. You know, yeah, I love yeah. crayons. I love peanut butter. I love I, I love, love grass. I love I love jumping in the pool. Like everything's amazing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> 
Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. So here's one uh, part of the movie, or part of this world, that the movie doesn't really touch. Um, So Qui-Gon says that the midichlorians, um, he talks about the role they play, that they're a life form that interprets the force so that sentient beings can understand it. so this question is for you. We'll start with you, Michael. How do you think midichlorians work with the dark side of the Force? Right? Because we don't really get to explore that much. Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, the Jedi Council are having trouble understanding what's all going on. They don't even know that Darth Maul exists. Except for like some early indications that Obi-Wan's like, something's going on, but I don't know what it is. And Qui-Gon's like, don't think in the future, think now. Um, so what role do midichlorians have when we look at the bigger picture of the dark side? And how that might all work. Well, I think the midichlorians are, I guess, neutral. Because mm. I, I was, at first I thought inert, but they're not inert. But like, they're just neutral. Mm. And when you have that force sensitivity, you mm. get to make the choices that you want to make with them. So you can use, because I know there's, I can't remember if this is canon or not. I know it's been done before. But shielding your force sensitivity so people mm. don't know that you you know what I'm saying because yep. you know how Jedi's can like feel each other and whatever so you know being able to you if you have that force sensitivity you can be evil you can be good you know and maybe that's what that's the whole thing about getting them young to make sure they don't have any maybe traumatic experiences mm. that traumatic experience plus the sensitivity to the force can easily turn them dark or whatever right. and it's I think I think it's just something, it's like a tool. Hmm. You know, you can use this tool any way, but when the Darksiders use it, they're using it usually to stay shrouded in mystery. Right. They're usually using it to be deceptive. They're usually using it to uh, kind of manipulate. Right. Um, and either manipulate other life forms or manip- manipulate their outcomes or even just the force of what the Jedi are able to see. Hmm. And maybe... I know the rule of two was made. See, we're getting into. <laughs> so, I know the rule of two, which I'm not sure. Yeah, it is canon because it's talking about yes. a theoretical third movie. But <laughs> actually, it's even it's even mentioned here because Yoda at the very end is like, oh yeah, we, there's, always, there's always there's two. two. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So um, the the uh, you know maybe that's why they another reason they kept their low numbers because if we keep our numbers low we can hide from them mm. and we can pick them off at will mm. and they'll never see us coming. Yeah. Um, until we have an empire. Right. Possibly, maybe. Do <laughs> <laughs> well, you have any comments on that? 
Lisa? I mean, I'm thinking midichlorians will intensify what is most prominent inside of you. If you have more light, uh, then it will intensify the light. If you have more darkness, it intensifies the darkness. I like that take. What about you, Nathan? Yeah, basically the same thing. I don't, I don't think there's like a literal, like evil version of the force that, you know, you have to pick which which part of the force you're tapping into. And if you, you tap into the dark side of the force, you get to use those powers. If you tap into the light side, you get to use those powers. I think mm. the when they talk about the dark side, it's not literally the force, it's that it's you. So you basically take the your force abilities and use them for dark purposes, essentially. So mm. so yeah, like like everyone else has said, I think it doesn't necessarily take on a, a specific good or bad uh, bent until it has been filtered through the midichlorians into you and, and you decide to do something with it. Yeah. I don't really have anything more to add except that. I do think that there's, there's an indication that somehow the dark side is able to mess with the midichlorians' ability to speak to the Jedi because they're shrouding themselves mm -hmm. in some way. So there's somehow that they're like cutting off the Jedi's ability to feel like you're saying shrouding. Um, I think that that's probably going on, but that's the only thing that I have to add. I think that's pretty, pretty solid. Um, okay. So we are told in this film that there's a prophecy about the one who will bring balance to the force. So my question is, what does it mean for someone to bring balance to the Force? Or at least, what would we interpret that to mean based on what we see in The Phantom Menace? Um, and then, there's this, all this concern over Anakin's um, training, and despite his midichlorian count, which is super high, but they're still concerned about it. So, based off this movie alone, um, do you think that he will be the one to bring balance to the Force? And that was a hard question to keep to this movie, but that's... So, is it, first of all, what does it mean to bring balance to the Force? And second of all, do you think it's Anakin based on this movie? Um, to bring balance to the force, since, you know, there's always going to be, you know, someone that's bad or with bad intentions. I believe that the whole prophecy was to get at least stop the dark side force users or the Sith mm -hmm. from interfering in, and this is going to sound weird, but human matters. Mm. Because... When you start to tip the scales, where you know if it's a if it's a conflict between these people and these people, and neither of them have force powers, mm -hmm. then that's fair. But then when you start to use your dark side force to tip the scale, then that's what I see as kind of like unbalancing. Yeah. So someone to keep, I guess, someone to keep the dark side out of normal people's mm, affairs. Mm. I, I know that sounds weird, but I mean, I guess Jedi and Sith are sort of like superheroes and supervillains, sort mm. of. So to keep them out of regular people's lives. Um, and then, you know, because in this case, that, you know, the Sith are starting to get into the, you know, Republic, which is going to control, like, the whole galaxy's lives. So that's like really tipping the scales and it's unfair. And I think it's, more, I guess, balanced or keeping it fair. Like, mm -hmm. okay, if you're in the dark side, we have to keep you in check because you, we can't allow you to interfere with regular people. Right. 
um, and I know regular people sounds kind of mean, but <laughs> like normal people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, it's 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 tough. It. Hmm. All right. So if if Jake, well, if Anakin, yeah, if Anakin was. I'm trying to think what would be the best example. I mean, yes, I think that Jake, or yes, I think that Anakin can bring balance mm. because he's an outside variable that hasn't been touched by either side yet. Right. Um, so he has, he will become a Jedi, but he has a different perspective that hope, hopefully can like help you know, the normal people because he's had time being a normal person. Right. Well, he was, he was enslaved, but he was, he's lived a, you know, kind of blue collar lifestyle, I guess you could say. Sure. Sure. Um, where most Jedi did not. Right. Um, so he could hopefully bring that to the, the council. Hmm. Hmm. Cool. So, yeah. What would you add to that? kind of, really um, piggyback on what he was saying, I think that kind of answers the question, um, you know, about balance is bringing in someone who has that different perspective. He has had those, you know, few more years to have this whole other life experience. Mm. So to me, that brings balance. You don't want everyone on this one field where everyone's had the same experiences and mm. has come in at the exact same time. To me, that's not balance. Mm. And, you know, again, I agree that, you know, he can be the one, you know, because he hasn't been touched. Yeah. I like that. Nathan, I know you had a pretty extensive answer to this question, right? Um, in a way. Uh, <laughs> those, those cover a lot of it. Um, I think, like they mentioned, yeah, I, I think it's definitely not about balancing the light side users with the dark side users. Um, again, because if the force... It, it appears that the force is essentially meant to be used for good and so it's just the fact that you have people twisting it to their own purposes um, seems to be what would unbalance it so yes I think balance essentially seems to mean to get rid of the Sith and again in, in theoretical other movies we do we do see that that is the final result um, so it, it does seem to indicate that Anakin was. Um, when going back to the prophecy, it's it's also interesting that we basically know nothing about it, and whether we know that they think he might be related to the prophecy because he has such a high midichlorian count, or like Qui-Gon I think says, essentially a virgins in the Force. But we don't know if that's because that was specifically part of the prophecy or if it's more like they've been trying to figure out who this chosen one is. And it's like, well, here's some with someone with way more force sensitivity than we've ever seen. And we don't really know what that means. So, hey, maybe it's him. And that that's also interesting because at the at the very end, Yoda he basically says, yeah, he might be the chosen one, but I still am not comfortable with him being trained, which is really interesting because that means that, you know, if, if the prophecy said, yeah, the chosen one's going to be great and everyone's going to be happy and he can do no wrong, whatever, then like you'd think he wouldn't have that 
that worry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not really sure what that means, but that's that's just kind of an interesting thing. You know, and again, because he, he actually causes a ton of problems before he does eventually bring balance <laughs> to the force. Right, right. Well, so uh, I'll just jump in to say I think that those three takes are probably the best I've heard recently. And I'll say that because of this. I really dislike the idea. So, before I go there, Sith are evil, Jedi are good, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's the way that they set them up, right? Yeah. In fact, even in the crawls, it's like the evil this, right? Like, it's like, okay. The um, evil Sith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I'm very resistant to thinking that that we should be happy with a concept where good and evil are in balance. Because it's like, why would I want any evil at all? Why should they be balanced to any extent? Like, the evil should just be eradicated if possible, and we should just have good. Um, However, when you talked about manipulation of, for lack of a better term, um, I'm going to use a Doctor Strange term, the natural order. Yeah. Right? Like manipulation of the way that the universe would work, but it can't work that way because someone's going to manipulate it. Whether it's light or dark, and the fact that you would need to balance those things so that the world can just operate, um, or the universe can just operate, I actually think that that's pretty cool. I had not, I've not thought about it in that way before, and mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Because then it takes it away from being a... Um, balance of good and evil and rather a balance for the universe to be able to operate the way the universe is yeah. supposed to operate without the influence of these forces that could do bad things. And I, I don't, and I think there's still an argument to be made that, well, wouldn't you still want more Jedi so that they could be true, more true. influential of good? But, um, but I do think that's, that's a better take because I always, whenever this comes up, I'm always like balance. I don't really want balance. Like that doesn't seem like a good outcome. That is it for today's podcast. Special thanks to Michael Young, Lisa Young, and Nathan Sheck for joining me today. What do you think? Let us know. Write us an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org or check out our discussion board and community on mz.com. Our email and the link to the MZ group are both in the show notes. Also, head on over to thatnerdsoul.com to check out all of Michael's resources. And guys, you do not want to miss part two of our conversation about The Phantom Menace or all of the upcoming podcasts in this Star Wars series. So go hit the subscribe button right now. And if you have an extra minute while you're there, write us an iTunes review. That is it for today's show. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next episode.